You've hit play on The Screen Companion, a show about making your viewing time count. On this occasion, I'm talking the 2011 film Drive with my pal Max. He's an engineer who likes all things cars, bringing the gearhead perspective to my love of this movie. Drive opens with Ryan Gosling's anti-hero cruising a nighttime downtown LA, not looking for trouble, because he's already found it, on his way to serve as the wheelman for a robbery. The thieves in the backseat of driver Chevy Impala look worried once the cops are on to them, but the stoic enigma at the wheel isn't phased during a tense cat and mouse down alleys and under overpasses. The main character is never called anything beside driver throughout the film. Yet he's more faceted than the title suggests when he cleverly secures escape by blending into a throng of fans letting out after a basketball game. He knew when the game was ending and planned his route accordingly, parking just at the right moment. He's good with a steering wheel as much as he's good at thinking his way out of situations. It's a perfect way to open a picture and introduce the audience to a character who relies on his actions to do the talking. Very similar to how the movie lets the craft of filmmaking speak for itself without relying on the loud, garish set pieces that mar most action releases today. In a dumbed-down landscape of Fast and the Furious and Transformers, Drive stands apart as a smart, well-executed Ryan Gosling vehicle with an engine that revs with style and substance all the way through to the finish line of its 100-minute runtime. Being a car enthusiast yourself, Tell us a little bit about your history with vehicles and what you bring to today's discussion. I've always had a big interest in cars growing up, especially as a kid. I think I really started getting into them, especially in high school, when I found out that my school had an auto shop. I was like, all right, yeah, I'll go check it out. How hard could it be? Everything just snowballed from there, from I just want to dip my hands into this so I can work on my own car, to I might want to make a career out of this as a mechanic, to... I can probably do better than this and take it a step above. And of course, along the way, I, I kept up with most car things. I went to the auto shows whenever they were in town. I looked at articles online through different websites. I eventually, ended up around cars on my job. I can't complain about that. What aspects about vehicles appeals to you the most? Is it the mechanics? Is it the actual driving of it? What do you like? Yeah, definitely one of the biggest things is just the way everything has to go together correctly for it to actually work. If you think about it, all we're really doing is just taking a little bit of liquid and getting the timing just right so that it explodes. And then doing that maybe four times, maybe six, eight, however many times at the right time in order to keep it going. So are you constantly thinking about that whenever you've gone out and driven on a track? Mainly at stoplights whenever I can actually feel the engine rumbling. It's like, oh, oh, I felt a little hiccup right there. I wonder what happened there. Oh, it's that persistent even in your everyday life. Yeah, just red lights. Like, I can feel the whole car. I know what's going on. And I want to find out more about why it's doing that. So, Ryan Gosling, he's the driver. He's well-versed in vehicles, driving them, repairing them. Does this prove out for you seeing him in the beginning of the movie? In the very beginning? Not really. I, all I really got from the beginning of the movie was he knows how to drive, and he doesn't really do much else. Like, he doesn't really talk. 
He doesn't really acknowledge things going on really with the people talking back to him, anything like that. He really does keep to himself. Reminds me of somebody. Hmm. Do all expert drivers use driving gloves? No, it's kind of, it's a little tacky to wear driving gloves sometimes. Back in the day, it made sense because you need more grip on the wheel. And a lot of the cars back in the day used polished wooden steering wheels. But nowadays, because everything else is like synthetic or we're using leathers or pleathers, your grip on the wheel is pretty good, especially because they have little ridges on them and gloves are kind of dainty. So you'd say the driver wore those gloves more to look the part, appeal to his own fashion, than actually help him with the getaway? Oh yeah, definitely. It was more of a stylizing choice for him. These are my gloves. This is my jacket. This is who I am. As far as the car stuff at the beginning, does it check off enough boxes to get you into the movie? Oh yeah, it did. One of the scenes from the very beginning, looking around through the shop, I could see, oh, classic American car, classic American car. There's an engine hanging in the background. Ooh, there's Rain-X. I recognize that brand. They really actually went through to try and make the shop as accurate as possible as to what you'd find in any other shop. These guys just trying to hustle for their business and putting up different advertisers. Still not sure why that shop was full of classic cars, though. Well, wasn't that a side business of Brian Cranston's character? Was it a side business? I thought his main business was working as a shop foreman or whatever. Running his own shop? Yeah. But that would be the definition of a side business. Primarily, I guess he just fixes cars, but he also sells classic cars. Oh yeah, that's true, isn't it? I guess I didn't catch that detail later on. Now, I only wanted you to watch the opening scene for this discussion, but you went the extra mile and watched the whole thing. You ultimately uh, didn't like the movie. Would you expound on that? Yeah, I don't remember exactly how I learned about this, but years ago somebody told me, if you have a movie spoiled for you, Afterwards, when you watch it, it'll actually enhance your experience because you'll be expecting some things and you'll be kind of anticipating it, building up the excitement for it. For me, it kind of didn't quite go that way. I didn't have the spoilers in the sense of like knowing exactly what was happening in the story, but I had been on the internet long enough to see people take some scenes, basically make memes out of them. And throughout the whole time, all I could do was think to myself, yeah, no, that meme was pretty accurate about how this guy behaves. And that kind of that kind of ruined the experience for me. I couldn't quite enjoy it as what the director intended me to enjoy it as. So that was my big problem. But if you're going in here totally blind, and you just sit down and just watch it, you might be able to enjoy it. Was there enough car stuff in it for you? I would have actually preferred one more scene to kind of show his driving skills. Maybe one more job before the second job that he did in the film. Pretty much comes down to two big scenes where he's driving, right? The beginning, and then when he's making his getaway after the botched robbery. Well, if you think about it, there was also the third one where he goes after that one guy while wearing the mask. But does he do any fancy driving there? He knocks a limo pretty hard off a cliff edge. The only fancy thing in that scene was, uh, I guess, he also did a blind attack which is where you turn off the headlights while it's dark so that no one else can see where you're at. That was pretty good. Very suspenseful. The plot was pretty okay. Characterization maybe it could use a bit more. I mean, for the driver, all I know is, yeah, he's good at driving, and he's really focused on cars. Could there have been anything else about it? 
it leaves it pretty open-ended for you to imagine what his backstory is. And what happens after the end of the movie? Well, without spoiling it, did you know how it was going to end the last shot? No, actually, I did stick around and wait just to watch what would happen. And I didn't really expect that kind of ending. By not expect, I mean like maybe the last minute. I didn't expect that little scene. Did it play out the way you wanted it to? Did it surprise you? It surprised me a little bit. I was left pretty happy about the way it ended. Are you bummed that there wasn't more physical scenes between the two main leads and their love story? No, not really. I, I honestly didn't really care too much for that whole plot line. I would think two lovers that really don't say too much and they just let their smoldering looks do all the talking, I would think that would appeal to you. No, for me, I felt, I felt awkward the whole time. <laughs> I'm just here as like a third wheel. That's true. It's very voyeuristic. As much as they're looking at each other, we're looking at them. Nobody's saying a word. Although that style really does bring you into it, like in the elevator scene, where the driver smashes that dude's head in. You really feel like you're there in that elevator with them, just waiting for things to pop off. It was very romantic. It was, and you notice how the lights got dim? And I couldn't tell if it was because of the slow motion or if, if they were just contriving it to put emphasis on their touching moment, but it was very effective. It also kind of brought me back to Joker, making me think, did this actually happen or did this just play out in his head? I have not heard that sort of interpretation about this film. I hope that was never the intention of the director. I don't think it was, but, you know, because this is 2021, it did make me think that. I was like, what is real? I was curious watching it knowing I was going to talk to you. Do you remember, it's the scene where the love interest, Irene, she gets her uh, husband back, and they're having a coming home party for him. Ryan Gosling's in his apartment working on something. I definitely remember that scene. What was the driver working on? What piece of the car? That was the carburetor. It looked like he was rebuilding it to put it back into his car. And you normally only do that whenever you notice that you're having, like, an issue with your acceleration, because that thing controls the gas going into the engine. The one that he had in his hands looked kind of old and junky, so I don't know what kind of person would rely yeah, would rely on something that old, not have it like clean and shiny and ready to go. Also, it's pretty easy to just buy them brand new online, even modified to actually throw out more gas. I've never worked on a carburetor, never had to buy one. Everything I've touched has basically been from the mid-80s and up. And by then, they were already getting rid of carburetors because they're inefficient. How did the violence strike you, considering that the rest of the movie is much more subtle than other suspense movies, but then it really goes out with the violence on a few occasions? Uh, I think it was still mostly tasteful. Like um, that one scene when the chick gets her head blown up by a shotgun, it didn't actually explode like a watermelon. It just kind of shredded her up. I thought that was still within the realm of not being goofy. Yeah, as bad as the violence gets at a few points, it's never desensitizing. I was still engaged with the movie, with the story, because it all seemed to be in service of what the driver was going through. It only ever really happens when things are really popping off. The main character, I remember when this movie came out, people were criticizing the performance for being very quiet, some might say wooden, 
as a enthusiast. What would you say is the most stereotypical average driver? Do they tend to be more quiet or more verbose? Or what would you say about that? Most professional drivers, like world-winning champions, usually find themselves to be pretty quiet, actually. It's only when they're forced to be in front of a camera and they have to do it for their sponsors that they actually speak up and share their thoughts. But no, most of the time, they're just kind of like the driver, actually, just kind of quiet, but they're not stoic quiet. They more or less just kind of keep to themselves, but they can hold a conversation. Definitely feels like the driver is someone who is more quiet because he can't talk or is uncomfortable talking versus someone who just doesn't prefer it. It was definitely a personality turned up to like 11 or 12. But by not having the driver speak much, it makes him mysterious and dare I say elemental. He's, he's like a force of nature. He's pure drive, if you will. <laughs> and he uses that to carry out his work. It still didn't really help his case, especially the way other people interpreted his performance afterwards. Some were even saying it was like borderline autism. I do like a lot of movies where characters don't talk too much, and you really get to just invest in the story, live with the characters. That night stuff at the beginning, every time I watch it, I'm always right there in the car with them, remembering back to times I was driving in L.A., Late at night, just cruising. But do you ever remember finding yourself going to Staples Center and finding a parking spot within a span of like 30 seconds as soon as you pull into the structure? No. With that sudden plot hole, let me counter it with maybe he rented a spot or paid somebody off for that spot. For me, that's when it happened. That's when I was like, immersion broken. This would never happen in Staples Center. Especially during a basketball game. (laughs) Would it surprise you to know that this was done by a foreign director? It would, actually. He's a Danish director named Nicholas Winding Refn. He grew up dyslexic and primarily enjoyed visual entertainment before he learned to read at 13. Dang. Which makes sense because of all the great visuals, just how artistic and well-lit all those shots were. I don't think there was a single moment where I couldn't follow visually what was happening and what the characters were doing. Yeah, that's true. I was able to not have to read a lot of things and just focus on what was going on in the scene. And they let the moments play out. Not a lot of this 20 cuts in one scene crap. For a character as mysterious as the driver is, They do a nice job of giving him extra little details, such as how not only does he drive around criminals at night, but also he's a mechanic during the day, and it helps explain his expertise with cars, but also that he does some stunt driving for film productions. Do you recall ever seeing any productions going on in your neighborhood or around wherever you were in L.A.? No, I've never actually had a chance to sneak by and be like, oh, oh, they're doing a shoot here. I should hang out for a hot minute and see what's going on. The closest it's been for me is probably, hey, the freeway will be closed from this section between these days, so use a detour instead. And then you find out a few weeks later, it's like, oh, it's because they were, they were filming something there. They had to close down the whole freeway section. Like that one scene from La La Land. Another Ryan Gosling movie. Good pull. 
I've seen multiple things shooting from Sons of Anarchy, about a block or two from where I was living, to Scandal that was shooting on my street. And I stood out there and watched the actors pretend that the street we were on was in Washington, D.C. They did very little to set up the illusion that it was somewhere else. I think they added one or two extra shrubs. They didn't add like some newspaper crumpled up rolling on the ground or anything? I don't recall seeing any added signage. I know I've been near other productions where they did add signs that had different names to make it feel like a place other than L.A. Have you seen any car movies from the 70s? The closest thing I've gotten to that is a scene from Bullet, and that's the only one I can name off the top of my head. For anybody who wants more car movies that are a bit smarter about the way they present their stories, I would recommend from the late 70s, The Driver. That one's a good one too. Stars Ryan O'Neill. You could see him as the father of Ryan Gosling's character because he's another one that doesn't say too much and he just stares you down and knows he's going to beat you out in the end. Switching gears, how about things in movies with driving sequences, details or aspects of it that they can do that drive a car enthusiast nuts? A scene where a guy is constantly shifting his car. It feels like every time he changes a gear, it goes faster. When in reality, no. You should just be going up in gears from first to second to third, getting slightly faster and faster each time, but not to the point where you just suddenly rocket forward. Because then it's like, no, you've been doing it wrong the whole time. You've been just running the engine super hard. Stop it. Yeah, I see what you mean. I never really considered that. Now I don't know if I can ever watch another movie that does that again without sighing. How about when a driver, like in this movie, spins the vehicle around and drives in reverse? That one had me asking a lot of questions. Mainly, I don't hear the gear whining. So I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but whenever you put a car in reverse, it makes like a little weird whining noise. Yeah, that's from the transmission. So whenever you're going forward, the gears are cut in a certain way so that they don't make noise because that's the way people drive, by going forward. When they're backing up, just make things easier for the gears to mesh together, they use straight cut gears. And the problem with straight cut gears is they're not quiet at all. You hear everything. The only real advantage is that they cause the power transfer a lot better. Which is why, like, for example, if you ever watch, like, a GT race, or, like, you know, the race where the cars are super, super fast, they have, like, a whole pit crew behind them, and they race in tiny little circuits, you just hear a really loud whine. That's because the transmissions are full of those straight-cut gears. I have some stories of real car chases. All right. The first one took place in Virginia Beach, Virginia, April 2021. A 17-year-old boy led state troopers on a highway chase in a stolen 2015 Kia Optima. The speeding teenager went as fast as 127 miles per hour. The offender got off the highway and entered a dead-end road. When troopers tried to block the vehicle, the Optima struck a trooper's vehicle and jumped the curb. Running a stop sign, the teen was struck by a Honda Accord. After being hit, he fled on foot, but was caught and arrested shortly after. Kia Optima. Is that optimum for making an escape? I can tell you right now, he should have gotten a Hyundai. 
the Kia Optima, it's like one of the lower end cars from that car brand. Maybe similar to like a Corolla, if that's a good way to judge it, or maybe a Focus. Definitely not meant to be sporty. It's more of a economy commuter car. It's not going to take you anywhere blazing fast. It was never meant to go at 120 miles per hour. Being only 17, I guess he didn't have enough experience to steal something better. Yeah, probably. Next story. Amsterdam, Netherlands, from May of 2021. Six suspects held up an armored transport vehicle and tried to escape in an Audi and Porsche Cayenne. The crooks had automatic weapons and exchanged gunfire with authorities. One suspect was killed and another wounded following the high-speed chase that ended when the culprits abandoned their vehicles and fled on foot. The score was reportedly gold or diamonds valued at $60 million. The Porsche Cayenne? Really? I had never even heard of it. Is that a good one to try to get away from the cops in? So, I'm not big on German cars because I just don't believe in them. But if I remember right, the Porsche Cayenne is supposed to be like an SUV. Doing a quick search right here. Yeah, it's definitely an SUV. Yeah, I guess if you want a big burly car to carry people in, that'd be your ticket. What's up with these guys fleeing on foot? Just like the last story, stay in the vehicle. The car gets damaged. It can't move anymore. So your next best bet is to keep moving on foot. That's the idea. Almost sounds too simple for a heist that is going to rip off $60 million. Why don't they have better cars or more cars or something a little bit more elaborate, almost like a movie? Well, here's the thing. They had two cars. So that's already a step up from the Kia Optima. This is also a group of criminals stealing millions of dollars, whereas the first story was just some punk in a joyride. Yeah, and I'm not really sure why they would have used uh, the Cayenne. Maybe it's because it blended into the area they were in, and that'd be a good reason. They could have used Ryan Gosling. He would have got them out of that. I don't think he can speak Swede, but sure. Our final story from Colorado Springs, Colorado, from April 2021. A man allegedly passed a note to an employee at a Dairy Queen demanding money, threatening with a gun from his waistband. However, the crook left quickly before any money was given, getting into... Okay, so before I tell you what vehicle he got into, what would you say would be a bad vehicle to make your escape with? It would either have to be a tiny car, or something that's big and not meant to turn. So... It can either be like the Smart 2 or a pickup truck. Well, I think this might qualify for being a bit too big and cumbersome. He got into a white U-Haul truck and flooded the scene. Yeah, that's kind of like a pickup truck. A short time later, deputies spotted the suspect vehicle traveling more than 100 miles per hour on the interstate. The driver pulled over long enough for a man riding in the passenger seat to get out then sped off again. The chase came to an end roughly 40 miles after it began. At least one shot was fired by a police officer and a shot from a state trooper, striking the suspect who later died at the hospital. The suspect may have participated in an armed robbery just before striking the Dairy Queen. So it took two shots, but one of them actually hit the guy and he died from it. That's one hell of a lucky shot. The articles I read on it were a little uh, nebulous. 
It just says that at least one shot. Maybe the cops weren't uh, fessing up to how many times they pulled the trigger. When you already know the guy's kind of guilty, you stop counting after the first squeeze. But surprisingly, out of the three stories, this guy did not try to flee on foot, but he ended up dead. Well, you see, there you go. If you're on foot and you get surrounded, the cops already have less of a reason to shoot you because they know you're not in a vehicle. How much would it have hurt the drama of Driver if one of the heists involved them knocking off a Dairy Queen? It's like, these guys, what is this, amateur hour? Maybe it would make it more real, make it feel a bit more like L.A. with just these little uh, rip-offs. The whole idea of ripping off a pawn shop, which was, what was it, the heist that set everything off, that kind of had me a little sketched out. Really, of all places, a pawn shop? Do people even use them anymore? Oh, sure. People love pawn shops. You've been to pawn shops, haven't you? I've only walked by them, and I might have walked into one once, but then I lost interest and walked out. Can you think of other car movies as far as not being over the top with its action? I think a lot of car movies actually are over the top, so it's kind of hard to say yes. They do lean that way, which... Don't get me wrong, I I do enjoy some over-the-top ones, like Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage. But I think this movie shows that there can be a spectrum, and it doesn't have to be bombastic every time you're telling a getaway story. In most movies, it's like, there's a car, there's another car. You know, at one point, one of these cars is going to crash really hard. And that's what everyone's here to watch. That's all they care about. Drive, a simple, one-word title to describe the main character's imperative, his obsession, his mantra, a way to live and a way to avoid living, never staying in one place long enough to make connections. A one-word title? How about a one-word review? Stay. As in, stay in your seat and don't get up until the credits roll.